Hi, and welcome back to the Unplugged Debate. This month coming, we are starting a new challenge on our Instagram called Digital Minimalism. So for more information, come find us at Unplugged Me on Instagram. Come along and join in. We'd love to have you there. And we'd love to hear about your experiences if you do join in. So until then, let's get back into the podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Unplugged Debate. On this podcast, we delve into the ideas surrounding human interaction with both nature and technology, talking to people about their time in the outdoors, starting from when they were younger all the way through to present day, developing a picture on who and what motivates them to be outside and why they do the things they do in the outdoors, crossing over into talking about their technology usage and how that's changed throughout their life and speaking to them about the different types of technology they use on a day-to-day basis from their mobile phones to their running shoes. Once we've developed a good picture of them, we incorporate that into how they think technology has changed their outlook on life and their time in the outdoors. And finishing with how they think technological development has changed society on a wider scale. So hello and welcome. So on today's episode, we have Daniel. Daniel is from Montreal. Uh, He is a musician. His preferred instrument is bass guitar. Um, You went to Wilfrid Laurel University um, and you studied classical music there. Yes. Wilfrid Laurier. Laurier. I do apologize. Sorry, all the French words. All the French words. All the French words. you you work as a, a freelance uh, musician doing uh, covers and, and tribute bands and sessions, but you also do a little bit of teaching as well. So And you were in an indie rock band for a while. Some of those sessions that you do is sort of folk music and that and that, that sort of genre. I guess you just, I guess if you go into a session, then you just turn up and you just have to play the music, basically, depending on what it's, what it's for. Yeah, that's kind of the name of the game in the uh, the session musician industry is you people always ask, you know, oh, what type of music do you play? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> you know, whatever I show up to in the session, that's what we're playing. You know, it could be jazz, folk, hip hop, metal, you know, it's it, you kind of have to be quick on your feet. Yeah, you know, that's in a lot of different genres. Can you just t- tell us a few things about what you've done and where you can listen to some of this stuff? Some of the artists I've recorded with recently uh, that you can go and check out like on Spotify or, or YouTube or whatever. Um, I've been playing a long time with uh, my good friend, Cecile Monique. Um, she's a symphonic metal singer uh, based in Kitchener, Ontario. Absolutely wonderful stuff. Um, my friend, John Maxim, I recently recorded a, a single with decision is the door. You can find that on Spotify. Uh, I had my own uh, group for several years, 12 mile Island, which has got some stuff out. And keep your eye on um, my good friend, Richard Garvey. Um, he was currently based in, I believe, Victoria, BC. Um, I just finished, uh, well, quite a while ago, <laughs> recording the bass sessions. And I know I've been talking to my other friends around the country who've been getting getting parts. So like, you know, it's interesting. I, I recorded my parts last year and even still I'm getting messages from friends being like, hey, I just laid down the trumpet last week. You know, great to hear you're playing. So 
expect that out uh, sometime this year hopefully um the the album will be called uh give me a second what is the name of his new album Lightheart. His, you can check out his new album, uh, Lightheart by Richard Garvey. It'll be coming out probably sometime this year. Awesome. But it, yeah, kind of doesn't matter what you're playing. Just got to fit into that that genre for that day. And um, so you sort of, you grew up in a rural area uh, in Canada. Mm-hmm. We were talking about this in our initial chat. It was um, the, the Canadian culture is a very much one that is predominantly outside. So you said you weren't um, like a backpacker type guy but you do do the recreational camping and and stuff yeah i mean i grew up i mean like you said out in the country uh very i mean i had the very stereotypical canadian upbringing you know i didn't grow up in the big city of toronto or whatever i i grew up you know kind of in the middle of the woods doing a lot of all the activities you expect hockey and and lots of snowboarding in fact i still do a do a bit of snowboarding and snowboard teaching still to this day. But yeah, so that was kind of my outdoors experience growing up was especially in the winters, going out to the mountains, going out to, you know, ski, snowboard, do that sort of stuff. And that was that a very family orientated thing or because that's sort of our first question is of where did your interest in the outdoors start? Yeah, I think it's definitely a very family oriented thing. Um, I mean, as a someone who does teach snowboarding now as well, I see it all the time, you know, parents come out with their kids. They're like, Oh, I want my kid to learn so we can ski together or snowboard together. And, and for me, it was very much the same. My dad was a skier. So, you know, immediately, as soon as I was walking, he's like, let's throw you on a pair of skis. Let's get you out to the mountain. Let's, let's have some fun. And so that was sort obviously Canada's Canada and it's cold and it's got lots of snow during the winter time, but in the summertime, what sorts of things would you do as a, as a family or, you know, yeah, so we we do like um, cottaging and stuff. You know, we had a cottage up in uh, in a small town in Quebec, um, and you know, like all the things with that. You know, boating, kayaking, those sorts of things. But uh, for for me, for whatever reason, I just kind of gravitated to the winter sports. That's kind of where where I found my love and, and my home of all things I love to do outside. Some people call me a little bit crazy. People like you know, winter's your favorite season? How? I'm like, but you know, you can skate, you can ski, you can snowboard. But yeah, that's, that's how I, I roll. Well, I have to agree on you with that one. I, uh, I agree. Winter up in the Arctic or around those Arctic regions. So it's just, yeah, the pinnacle of awesome. Yes. Yes. Um, so, um, so those are the sorts of things that you do. And obviously you said you keep up with the snowboarding and stuff, um now you, you you teach it so um did you ever have any sort of aspirations of going and doing that in another country like teaching abroad or something along those lines in snowboarding or yeah so i i have thought about it a little bit before i mean just like every 12 year old kid you know learning to snowboard i was like oh i could be sean white someday i could go to the olympics you know every kid has that dream but, but more realistically, I've thought a lot about, um, I mean, Canada obviously being a massive country, second biggest in the world. Um, even just within Canada, I've often thought, you know, I have a lot of friends who've gone down a season out west, for example. Um, I live in Montreal, so, you know, we have mountains, but they're not gigantic, like, you know, Whistler, the Rockies. Uh, so I've always dreamed of, you know, spending some time out there. Also, I know a lot of people who uh, who've kind of gone back and forth between the the uh the new zealand australian winter and then coming back for 
Canadian winter going back and forth. So I've seen people do that. And I've seen people go out West, um, like to Jasper, to, you know, Whistler, to Kamloops, these places. It's kind of been on my bucket list, but it's, uh, I, I can't say for sure if I'll end up there in the next year or two, but someday. Someday. As you, as you were growing up, uh, so it, it was it very much a parent orientated thing that you get out and do these, or was it a, did you go and do this a lot with your friends or something along those lines? I think it started out with uh, kind of with the family going out to the, the hill and stuff. And then very quickly, you know, uh, especially the area I grew up in was surrounded by a lot of not mountain mountains, like I said, but big enough hills that a lot of my friends growing up were kind of into the same thing. And we'd all, you know, go together. So, okay, then let's start with uh, your technology use. And obviously you said you're a musician, so there's going to be quite a lot in that realm certainly in the modern day but let's let's rewind that back and let's head into your um your your youth basically when did the interest in your music start yeah so the uh my music uh path i always tell this very it's kind of an interesting story so i'm I'm a bass player primarily i play electric bass upright bass which is you know the largest instrument you can find really mm. but i actually started as a as a flute player because this is going to sound so nerdy and my favorite game growing up was the legend of zelda ocarina of time anyone who's played that game remembers you know the sheet music goes up on the screen links playing these songs and i'm sitting there next to i had chosen the flute as my kind of instrument in in middle school you know everyone had to choose an instrument that said hey the flute's small it's easy to carry around i'll whatever and then i see this this video game where a guy's playing a, what looks like a flute on screen and i said wow that's so cool like i can do this like for fun i don't have to play hot cross buns like what uh <laughs> so that's where i kind of got started is uh playing the flute and then my friends are playing guitars so i picked that up and then they said oh we need a bass player for my band and i said what's a bass and uh fast forward you know 15 years later now it's what i what i do for a living so that was very much a uh a school-based thing to sort of encourage students into playing instruments and stuff Mm -hmm. um so before before we head into into that a little bit more let's talk about your sort of technology use as you were growing up obviously when we spoke you you said about the nintendo 64 playing legend of zelda and stuff when you were younger um so is that where your technology sort of started as you were growing up yeah, I'd say so. Um, once again, growing up in a, a rural area, you know, even into high school, we were still on dial-up internet. So as far as technology, yeah, I was playing games and stuff, but I, I feel like it wasn't really until midway through high school that, you know, I was using a laptop. You know, I didn't have a even a smartphone until university. Um, I'm sure, I mean, given my age bracket, that's not an uncommon experience, but, you know, even when a lot of my friends around me were adapting, you know, further and further technology, I was kind of, you know, slowly building up to that. So yeah, like, yeah. So you were saying that your friends were a bit of a head of the game and they, they got more, certainly as you were growing up, they, they were getting different bits of technology before you were type of thing. Yeah, yeah, like kind of like I know I always kind of looked at oh the city kids they already have their cell phones and their internet and I'm you know making my own fun, you know playing outside or playing music playing stuff that's um, kind of a little bit more analog you could say. That's quite interesting you say that. So 
so actually um as you were growing up you spent more time uh, outdoors than inside yeah and then even when i started spending time inside it was doing things like playing music which was you know i had a book i had you know cds i guess that's a form of technology but yeah so then it was mostly me playing and learning and, and doing that kind of stuff that's that's very interesting actually because even even though you you started moving inside it wasn't truly for just sort of like playing on computer games and stuff you were still mm-hmm. really um sort of i guess you could say being mindful playing instruments and and interacting in a different way rather than going on a computer and stuff yeah yeah so you know fast forward into your into sort of your teenage years um and or into your sort of going to uni um that i guess that's when your technology usage would have stepped up by that point yeah and i think that's kind of where i started to um and it's it's interesting everyone has this idea with with being a musician in the modern age and particularly i went to a classical music school that you know musicians we have this picture of you know the studio with the microphones and the consoles and this and that and and lots and lots and lots of technology um for me going to a classical school you know i had kind of grown up a little bit around this technology of music you know i had friends who you know had the microphones had the interfaces and learned a little bit of that but then get to university and all of a sudden there's none of that you know and and it was interesting to me that this whole area of the music industry just wasn't being taught at all. And, you know, especially classical music, they're all acoustic instruments. I think that's one thing we always forget is we have this idea of, you know, the electric keyboard, the electric guitar, the electric bass, and those are all very, very new inventions. Um, So, so much of our music making was taught around, you know, we all sit in the room, we all play music acoustically you know when you go to see an orchestra there's no amps there's no speakers there's no anything it's just the music's there you're there you're receiving it straight coming out of those instruments into your ears Mm -hmm. um so for me it was kind of weird because then in university it flipped i went from being the guy who's a little behind in technology to being one of the very few and least in my in my program that were seeking out and being like hey, you know, they're coming out with all this new recording technology. You can, you know, we see like, you know, like a Billie Eilish and Phineas, you know, record everything on a laptop, produce beats. And so that's where I started getting deeper into almost as like a backlash to this classical purist program. I started expanding more into recording and technology and kind of learning to understand that. You you were sort of, do you still enjoy the whole acoustic uh, presence of, of making music or are you more twisted over, to, not twisted, more moving over to, um, to the digital music making? Yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of at a, a weird crossroads with that where, you know, as someone who's a primarily an instrument player, I'm not a, a beat maker, producer per se. Um, I still have a love for, you know, getting musicians in a room, playing the instruments, you know, and like you said, even acoustic instruments, like acoustic guitar, acoustic bass, you know, these rich, warm sounding instruments, and even instruments like the electric electric guitar or the electric bass, which, you know, are still somewhat organic because you're playing them. So I still have a love for the organic feel of instruments being played by people, 
and not to say to throw any shade at the people who are you know programming beats because that's that's an art form in itself and one that i never really developed a, a huge proficiency in but definitely respect to both but i definitely love to me what what sparks sparks my creativity and my love for the craft is you know the interactions between people between musicians making music together and, and technology being a vehicle for bringing that all together yeah because obviously the premise of what i'm trying to do is is you know connect people and and uh you know reconnect them with nature so what you are what you're saying is is that actually with the with the sort of the digital revolution um you're able to connect more with people within your craft itself and uh, so it gives you that ability to you know we were just talking about it having a, a zoom chat and try although zoom not working so well for it but you know teaching people how to play an instrument and stuff so as you've as you've as you said you went to university and, and it, it sort of flipped for you you know you went to this real it was classical you know no amps and stuff um just tell us a little bit about um when you sort of left university and you started doing these sessions um and going into bands and stuff how did the technology flip again for you yeah i think it, it became very apparent that you know it is very important um and as much as you know we we all want to try to get away from it and you know the concept of digital detox and stuff the there is an importance to the technology mm. uh in helping us create the heart and create the art but not so much as to be a hindrance to the art so when when i think about you know creating music i think about you know, you have to kind of know your, and it's, it's interesting. I, I have a YouTube channel where I talk a lot about this kind of stuff is knowing the really mundane things like signal path, you know, how am I plugging things in? How am I wiring things up? Where am I putting microphones? This is an, honestly just as important as, as playing the instrument. Well, I, I mean, there's nothing, no replacement for that, but you know, it's so important to know how to record your instrument especially in this day and age i mean we talk about you know everything being online now and, and so many sessions being online in order to play with people you know we're recording we're sending tracks back and forth so understanding the technology enough to do that is you know kind of baseline in, in today's society something unfortunately i think is should be taught more in, in the schools but also not to have it be such a hindrance that you know we we talk about accessibility in music and in recording um and, you know, unfortunately, the prohibitive nature of how expensive a lot of these things are, you know, getting a good interface and microphones and all that. Um, but also, you know, where some of those barriers can come down, you know, we look at, I mean, I was listening to a, a, a rather old podcast the other day with a producer who is talking about, you know, I've been, I've been producing for, for Dre and Drake and all these people, but now I do it all on an iPad. So now it's, it's kind of coming full circle where we used to need these huge, huge studios to kind of mm. have a console, like a console being like a huge mixing board, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars and giant room filled with so much technology. And now, you know, there's so much you could do. I mean, look at people making like even TikTok duets, you know, if you have a phone in your pocket, you can, you can record. If you have an iPad, you can honestly do so much in terms of recording and, pr and production. So I guess finding that balance between, you know, make it accessible enough where everyone can participate and, and, um, but still, you know, 
acknowledging that it is so important to be able to understand these these things that have kind of become part of the music industry. And we when we when we spoke before, um, you were talking a lot about sort of the, the the circle that's happened where we've gone from very digital back to sort of acoustics coming back into the mainstream. You know, we're talking about vinyl records and stuff. Um, so yeah, just just go go down that road. Just um, talk, tell us about the, the the sort of chronological path that it's taken, where it's gone very digital back into you know this resurgence in having you know acoustic sound sound that isn't isn't digital. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting the the circle we've kind of brought around you know technology being important and this and that and and obviously in the production of the music, but also you know we we sometimes forget how recent some of these things are, you know, like, like, for example, you know, we, right now, a lot of musicians talk about streaming and Spotify and, oh, you know, it's killing CD sales, right. You know, artists used to sell records. Now it's streams and this and that it's going to kill the music industry. Well, a well, hundred years ago, people were having the same conversation. They thought that the vinyl record was going to kill sheet music sales because the only way to hear music at the time before the loudspeaker, before the vinyl record player, which are new inventions, the inventor of stereo headphones is still alive. You know, um, the only way to hear music back then was to buy sheet music and have your brother play it on the piano for you. So, you know, we, we thought vinyl was going to kill the music industry, but then fast forward, you look at, you know, Led Zeppelin, the Beatles selling millions and millions of these vinyl records. So, you know, it's, it's kind of gone further and further. And now it's, it's kind of swimming back and especially, you know, me being a younger, you know, millennial kind of, you, we see a lot of this where so many, so much of um, the technology is advancing. You can get all the songs in the world in your pocket. And now we're going back and buying records. What's that about? I think it's because we've, gotten so used to having everything digital around us it's almost we long to have something physical we we miss it you know it's it's weird to have music something so profound be so removed from us you know we can't feel or touch it anymore so going back to records and and going back to even like i say in the analogy with the piano and the sheet music even people going back to hey let's all play songs together let's sit around and jam you know i think there's a special place uh for that, that people are starting to rediscover and, and I hope they do more, especially, you know, music making, people making music together, I think is a is an art that's been lost a little bit to, you know, people removing, you know, oh, you're either a professional or you're you're not. Whereas really there is also this community of, hey, let's make music together. It should be part of a lot of people's lives. Just like, you know, like I said, just like how the piano used to be a, not a means of, performing but often just listening you know yeah bring bringing bringing a community back into it mm -hmm. so and that's that's um it's interesting the way that you speak about how you know bringing bringing it back to a community-based thing where you know you, you're not you're not online the, the amount of technology that you can use to produce music or or tiktoks or um but it, there's you're saying there's a resurgence in people just wanting to go to each other's houses or wherever and just sort of make music or just play music together mm. um 
so you know what what sort of effects is that having on um well let's let's stick to what what your what your main goal is the, the music industry how have you seen that change since you've grown up then i mean even looking at the the styles of music that that have been coming out i think we've seen it and especially as someone who like i said plays a lot and, and produces a lot is we, we've definitely seen a big change from it's interesting when i was growing up that there was this huge acoustic resurgence you know in the in the 2010s early 2010s you know there is i mean you couldn't go see any band without seeing an upright bass and a banjo right you know back to these acoustic around the campfire sort of sort of feeling music you know we think of you know obviously mumford and sons being the the forefront of that but you know there is that there's a whole genre around that and you know it, it was kind of a backlash to this what was kind of around or came slightly before it which was this super electronic super produced type of music you know we look at um you know like the the kind of um what's some good examples like the Backstreet Boys, Britney Spears kind of, you know, very produced. And then the backlash was this kind of acoustic music again. And then even, you know, a revolutionary album like uh, like Daft Punk's, um, what was it called? Uh, Random Access Memories. You know, once again, this duo that was founded around programmed technology, beats and stuff, all of a sudden they bring in Niall Rogers, they bring in Nathan East, they bring Omar Hakim to sit down and play the instruments you know and, and give life back to music which was which is one of the songs in that record so we definitely see this resurgence even again and, and we i kind of feel like we're feeling the after effects even of that album now that we're seeing a lot of the big pop acts even even now moving away from these synthesized produced electronic beats back to hey that's cool and stuff but like let's bring some musicians in you know you look at harry styles do a leap you know with the the live bands you know and bringing a lot of that sound back in. And so, do you take your instruments and do you go outside and, and interact with nature whilst you're playing these these instruments as well? Is that the sort of thing you would do, or is that sort of folk folk sort of stuff where you go to a campfire and play the guitar or something? Yeah, I think that's a that's an interesting one because um, obviously for. Uh, you know, for the aesthetic, obviously a lot of people do that. And I've, I've considered doing, oh, I should do a, a music video outside or something playing, playing the bass. But one thing I, I do love about acoustic instruments, myself being an upright bass player is we, we sometimes forget how attached we are in, in the modern age to electricity being a part of music. You know, the, the loudspeaker, like I said, being the center of, of much modern music making, you know, the electric bass, the electric guitar, the electric, you can go so on and so forth. But to be able to play an acoustic instrument and it's, it's kind of unique in that way that you can't just go anywhere mm. and play anywhere and play with anyone. Um, you know, I used to do, you know, busking at the farmer's market, for example, me and a couple of buds would get together and we just play out in the open. And even even still, you know, there's something that, you know, just can't compare to, I know we've gone full circle being like, oh, in university, I rejected the acoustics for the electrics. And now I'm back to, you know, there is something really special about being able to interact so organically where, you know, you're not worried about how close you are to the microphone. You're not worried about, you know, turning one thing up or down where the only interaction is you and another person with 
a bass with a guitar. So yeah, I mean, there are times when I don't know if I would bring my, you know, $10,000 antique acoustic bass to the, uh, to the campfire, but I, you know, I've brought other acoustic instruments. You know, I own a, um, one of those sideways acoustic, uh, acoustic bass guitars um, that, you know, is fun to, to bring out and jam with people, but it's, it's definitely something that I, I miss a lot. And uh, even something I'm looking at getting back into, I've been uh, talking to some of my friends locally about starting an acoustic trio kind of to, to go in and, you know, start booking some gigs where maybe some smaller venues want the opposite. They don't want a big, loud dance band or big, loud rock band. They want, you know, an intimate, no microphones, just organic sound. There is a crossover between sort of having uh, an electric acoustic guitar or, or something along those lines. Because, uh, you know, um, going and watching gigs and certainly... Uh, one band that I listened to, A Day to Remember, they, they've they done um, a lot of acoustic stuff. And some of the gigs that I went to, they would get their acoustic guitars out and do their acoustic stuff. So there is a there is still a, a link between, or what we'd say, a mishmash of sort of acoustic and electric to, to bring a different sound in. What's the... Um, is there a different sound with that or you know is it too electric or do you still get the rich vibrant sounds it's just been amplified yeah it's, it's interesting because um that's one thing a lot of people don't really sometimes forget when they see acoustics or acoustic music is that they they forget sometimes how often it is then amplified i mean even you know us talking into microphones right now you we all know that you know a microphone will never sound the exact same as, as a human, as the, what the human ear hears, right? Um, so, you know, when you go to see an acoustic band, oftentimes you're seeing they plug in into the sound system, into loudspeakers. So you're really hearing, I mean, it, they're still rich, wonderful sounding instruments, but it, it's not truly acoustic that's, that's hitting you, you know? And it's because um, you're still hearing the sound from a certain source. A, a good example of this, and you'll you'll see this a lot at, and a lot of people don't really talk about this at, and as musicians that the general public doesn't really realize is, you know, when you look at the loudspeakers on stage, they're, they're pointed a certain direction, right? So, you know, all the sound is coming from one spot. So it's, it's almost, when you're new to playing music, it's almost disorienting, you know, you'll be playing with your friends, right? Let's say you're playing electric guitars. Your sound isn't coming from you, it's coming from wherever your amp is. So all of a sudden you're playing and you're kind of listening across the room for where your amp is. And in the same way in, in a stadium, you know, the loudspeakers are where the sound's coming from, not from where the musician is. And all the sounds coming from the same spot. So, you know, you got one guitarist on one side, one on the other, a drummer in the back. Well, all that sound is coming out of one set of speakers. Whereas when you go and see, you know, a smaller, maybe strictly acoustic, there's no amplification whatsoever. You're hearing almost like the surround sound effect of, you know, one guitar player is over here, one's over here, drummer's over here. Um, if you ever get a chance to go to a, a concert and around situation, it's absolutely incredible to hear coming from all sides, individual sound sources that aren't all kind of streamlined, funneled into one set of speakers. If you went for a, to watch the symphony orchestra, that's, you know, you'd be able to pick out the you know, the, maybe the cello on there, the violin over there and, and the, the drums, and you'd be able to pick out the individual sounds that are coming from it. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because each individual person is their own sound source that's mm. that's going out into the audience without any sort of you know picking it up and streaming it back out to you. And, and so, is there a, is there a bit of distortion when you've only just got your your your, your big speakers just putting it out? Because if it's coming out of the same speaker, obviously they've got to vibrate to produce the sound. Um, do you lose some of the the sound from from that? Oh, definitely, definitely you do. And sometimes in a in a desirable or undesirable way, because um, your your speakers will have a certain sound to them. They're not. I mean, a speaker's not made of wood. For example, you know, my instrument's made of wood. It's not made of brass like a trumpet. So you will lose some of those those characteristics. And in some cases, that's actually desirable in a way. Some people, you know, there's sought after amplifiers and preamps, you know, certain electric guitars, you know, the way the the amplification tubes break up the sound, the way they distort it is is very desirable. But but definitely once you amplify any instrument, you've all of a sudden lost a good chunk of that. We we call it coloring the sound, right? You know, there's transparent and then there's colored sound and it's it's coloring the sound how much and in what way depends but you definitely do lose a little bit of that uh, authentic sound that you you would usually hear if you're standing next to them so, uh, carrying on on this line is that the technology not just for the instruments and the amplification and producing of the sound the the technology around it so you know your maybe your soundproofing or the stands or your you know the microphone isolators have you seen a, a, a change as you've grown up through in those bits of technology as well have they improved or can you improve on those uh, have they improved and can you improve um i think um going back to what i was saying earlier about accessibility i think that the number one thing that i've seen change as i've been coming up in in the industry is the accessibility point you know, um, obviously they're always coming out with better microphones, better computers, better this, better that. But the the price point to get started on these things is miles different than than when I first started. You know, when I I was kind of even coming into the into the game at a point where I was already shifting. But you know, even a little bit before my time, you know, you couldn't record a band unless you had a record deal because you know it would cost thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Whereas nowadays, I mean, an iPhone uh, microphone is better than some microphones that we would pay for <laughs> back when I was growing up. I mean, heck, even look at our digital cameras from 20 years ago. We, we look at those pictures and we're like, geez, my, the phone in my pocket takes better pictures than that. And, and the same for the sound quality. So we've definitely seen the price point drop where, you know, there are people that, like I said, on TikTok, making great sounding stuff off of a phone and maybe like the the microphone on their their earbuds, and, and even you know the the affordable audio interface. You know the fact that anyone with a computer can just for a hundred bucks, or uh, you know you can just go to the store, buy an interface, plug something into it, and start making music. You know that that accessibility definitely was not there when I was first starting. And it's, it's amazing to see that it's, it's getting there more and more so now. Um, I, I, what about sort of the soundproofing stuff? Cause uh, when I was looking at, I've got quite an echoey room. So when you're saying setting up that sort of technology with buying sort of soundproofed tiles and stuff, how has that changed? 
Um, acoustic treatment. So I can't really say too much because um, I actually, uh, going back to my rural upbringing, I actually make a lot of my own. Okay. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at, I got one behind me. This is also quite an echoey room that could use quite a bit more. Um, but yeah, I do, I do make my own. Um, so I don't really know a whole lot about buying it. I do know that there's a lot of great brands online that you can order a whole studio's worth of, of stuff for. Um, uh, the dissemination of information has obviously changed quite a bit. I mean, I, I have a whole video on my YouTube channel talking about soundproofing a room and I'm one of, of many who have done that. Uh, so the, the information definitely is much more available than, than it once was. Bringing on to that, the, you know, the, the difficulties of learning an instrument as well, that's sort of been tuned down as well with the advent of technology because you can get apps now that, that will teach you how to play an instrument. You know, um, ha- has that taken away from sort of, go- it, or it's made it easier to play an instrument? But, you know, from your opinion, you know, learning to play on your phone with an app teaching you or a person teaching you what's the what's the difference there i mean you're getting into a little of my bias here i do i do teach uh, private lessons as well um and i will say i think there will always be a place for private lessons the one-on-one feedback is is very very valuable i don't think an app would ever replace that but once again the accessibility and getting started the the fact that you can download a tuner a metronome an ear training app you know, these are things, they're, they're tools, right, that are going to make it easier on your journey and tools that honestly I wish wish I had have had. And even the tools I grew up with, you know, with 2008 YouTube, I mean, that was, I mean, miles ahead of what the previous generation before me had, but even still, you know, is a pale comparison to to what people have available now. So I think it's it's all a matter of these are, are tools, they're great tools. Um, there is still something to be said in in you know one-on-one study and exchanging with someone with the expertise but for sure i am all for any sort of app that makes it easier to attain that information i'm not gonna i'm not gonna gatekeep uh music yeah oh well uh, that's the thing in a lot of these conversations is is that when you start talking about technology and it, it it make has made life a lot easier for people um you know barriers to entry on certain things it's just not there anymore because you know everyone or not everyone but most people do have a smartphone that can download apps to help them learn this you've got youtube as you were saying as the biggest one of the biggest suppositories of information and tutorials that has ever existed in 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 human history so um you know how do you think that that is your your personal perspective? How do you think that that's changing the modern modern culture and modern society? That's that's an interesting. I mean, that's a really big question. Um, I, I think the biggest thing you see is, like I was saying, with dissemination of information, the dissemination of information is a lot more cross collaboration, cross pollination, a lot more community built ideas um you know i do i've done my fair share of like uh tiktoks and stuff and the fact that you know we can duet with someone from around the world and be like oh let's play a song together you know that's 
that's so, I mean, I, it still feels well to me. And the fact that, you know, communities spring up where everyone's sharing information at such a rapid, rapid pace. It's, I mean, people talk about the, there's negatives with it, obviously, but I, I think it's wonderful that people can share information so easily. And I think that's, I see it in the music industry, people being able to collab so easily, being able to communicate with each other so easily. And, and some of the great products that come out of that. From speaking to you, it, it sounds like you see technology as a tool, not as one, uh, not as a the panacea to fix everything. So, mm-hmm. just do do. I'm I'm not trying to put words into your mouth. Do you see it as a tool? Do you use it as a tool rather than rather than being hooked to it? You can walk away from it. Yeah, I mean, I definitely just like anyone else. You you kind of I've ended up my days just kind of scrolling and being like, what am I what am I using this tool? For at the end of the day, it, it, it is a tool, and in the same way that you know, like you know, if you brought Jimi Hendrix back today and gave him a guitar and an iPhone, he'd you know, blow up on TikTok immediately. You know, like, there's no replacement for if you got the talent and you got the ability, you know, that that's there, right? And it's a tool that you're going to use, um, but it is a tool, and it's a tool that could be misused too, and you know even talking about digital detox and our mental health and stepping away from it, you know, I find myself even, you know, as someone who does, you know, some content creation as, as part of my craft on YouTube, on Instagram, TikTok, I do definitely do find myself going in waves of, Hey, I got to back away from this for a while. And, you know, like even just, you know, simple things like just spending a full day or a full week and just being like, Hey, I'm not, not going to open anything up today. I'm just going to focus on, sitting here with my base or drinking a cup of coffee or, or going for a hike in, in Montreal here. So it's, it's important to find that balance I, I find and finding it's a great tool and it can be super useful, but also, you know, we got to be self-aware of how it's affecting our, our mental health, how it's affecting, you know, our, our relationship with the world. Yeah. And that's, that's what I was getting at. That's what I, that's what I was hearing from you is that, you, know, you use it as a tool you can walk away from it um i was i was reading a paper um have you ever heard the term uh nomophobia of which nomophobia no nomophobia nomophobia that's the fear of going outside i believe no no it's the fear, fear of, of not moms? having your mobile phone oh oh yeah yeah okay. yeah so it's the no no mobile phone phobia and it, uh, it, it's a it's a documented thing and people genuinely have anxiety and all the symptoms of anxiety if they forget their phone so it's it's interesting to hear that you see it as a te- bit of uh, as a tool your technology and then you can walk away from it and not have any issues with going on a hike for and not having it with you you know so yeah even the I, I actually go out of my way. I, I wear automatic watches for that reason. Sometimes I just leave the house with nothing, no bit of electricity on me. And I'm just like, whew, take a little breather for a bit. Yeah. And, and that's part of our modern world is that you, you check for your phone, your wallet, your keys and your phone before you leave your house. Um, mm-hmm. And that there is difficulty with people having doing that so it's quite refreshing to hear someone of you know our our generation our age uh that that can just sort of go nah i'm done with it for today it can just it can just stay behind so and and i think it's it's important to kind of have that that um 
dichotomy between the two as as a musician as someone creating and as someone consuming content all the time it's I find sometimes I feel the most inspired you know not when I'm you know comparing myself to everyone on the internet it's when I spend a day away from it and then I come back and you know in the meantime I've had all these ideas come you know I'm like oh this would make a great song idea this would make a good video idea you know those are the times I find you feel the most inspired and it's it's tough. It is tough to try and try and separate the two for sure. That's interesting as well. You just say actually after you've stopped comparing yourself to everyone else on the internet yeah. that, that and you've got you've gone away from it for a day, you actually feel more um uh you have more inspiration to to make music and have mm-hmm. different sounds that you so that's that's quite interesting as well to it's almost like you're saying that you that if you take a step away from that digital world you you your mind is freer to make your make your own things make your own sound so that's that's quite interesting um yeah, um, yeah so i mean we, we sort of covered the, the the last the last section there um so yeah um it's it's genuinely interesting to to hear your your perspective on 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 how you use technology um you know it it breeds life into into your work but also at the same time when you leave it behind you can um you can be inspired with great power comes great responsibility (laughs) (laughs) yeah um yeah so and do you feel like that as as we go forward, um, more music producing will be done. On, on obviously, you're saying it's easier. There's, the barriers are less for going into music now. Um, are we? We're never. Or is that meaning that sort of the big studios are now on the decline because you can do so much with a with a laptop? Is there still something about going into a studio that? Um, produces better music than just producing it at home in in a sound booth i i think it comes down to once again the the people at, at the end of the day the the technology is important it's all there but it's the people that matter and you know i still think there is a use for you know i have friends of mine who are excellent producers who you know i would go out of my way to travel to their studio work with certain musicians in a certain space that they've built and curated I think there's something very special, but ultimately comes down to it's the person I want to work with. It's the space that they've built and it's the trust I have in them to bring everything together. Um, so I think there's still a space for that, but definitely if the only thing you need to do is, is record, no longer do you need to go in somewhere special to do that. You can do that at your home. You know, like I said, you, you know, I, I mean, heck my YouTube channel has tutorials on how to record your bass at home, how to mic it upright, how to plug in an electric, you know? So definitely those barriers are gone. Um, There is still something special about, you know, a great producer with a great room who knows how to, you know, mix and engineer. And and those are all skill sets as well. You know, I think it's, it's important to remember that music is so vast, you know, there's, there's bass there's a guitar there's drums there's production there's mixing there's engineering there's you know so many elements to it that you you can't expect to do all of them i know a lot of people these days are saying oh you got to be able to do everything i i think there's some truth in that you got to be able to do a little bit of everything but 
you know, to work with a great engineer who knows his microphones and placements, to work with a great guitar player, to work with a great, you know, mix engineer who knows how to really take what you've recorded and, and really bring the best out of it. There, I think there will always be a spot for collaboration in that way. I, I guess, you know, I, this is just a complete flip. Uh, with your snowboarding and stuff, um, mm -hmm. how how have you seen that change as you've grown up? With because obviously, nineteen eighties into uh, yeah the nineteen eighties sort of into the nineties that snowboarding was becoming a thing, um, and there was a big clash between skiers and snowboarders. You know, yeah. how how have you seen the 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 technology change um, in there and? You know, there's something very freeing about it. Although you can record yourself whilst you're snowboarding, there's a there's an element of not having your phone out whilst you're doing it. You know, being connected. Yeah, I mean, for, first of all, get the skiers off the hill. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, <laughs> I'm a skier, yeah, just to let you know. Yeah, that is one thing I, I have noticed a lot. And as someone who you know, I still teach and I'm still involved in it, but my career really is is in the music industry. I'm not, you know. I, my Instagram page isn't full of snowboard videos, but it, it's something interesting I do notice is this kind of filming culture that's developed and, you know, everyone riding down the hill with their GoPros and their, their phones out and stuff. I, I don't want to sound like an old person and say, Oh, I don't get the kids these days. I don't, um, I guess maybe for me, because snowboarding is my escape from all that. I kind of never really, I don't own a GoPro. I don't do any of those things. I have maybe, one picture of me with a snowboard on the internet. Um, mostly because like I said, music is kind of where I've geared my, my online presence to, but yeah, that's, it's an, it's interesting to see that. And honestly, once again, technology is a tool, like we've said a million times, I, I grew up around, uh, you know, we were all doing the same things with different tools, right? We all had our digital cameras with the AA batteries in them. You know, we we're, we we're doing that and we were, we were sharing them with our friends on USB sticks, you know, and I mean, snow skateboarding, snowboarding has long had a culture of, you know, videotaping, whether it's, I mean, I know some people who are old enough to remember the, uh, the, the, when you had to wind the camera to get a good shot of your bud doing a trick. So it's same thing, new tools, but, uh, yeah, I've never, never really delved into it myself. And so you're saying you use you use snowboarding as an escape then from it is for me, yeah. That's kind of my my happy place to, you know, leave the internet, leave the technology. I mean, I guess to be fair, I'm listening to music on on my iPod. You caught me there. But you know, <laughs> even even then, oftentimes I don't even do that. I just I just ride. I'm there with with nature, just like we we're saying in the beginning, it comes full circle. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, 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 this this has come full circle you know just we, we talked about all of the technology usage how it's changed and it, it comes back certainly in your in your life and your perspective is that you um still need to have that connection away from technology and still have that connection with nature and you do that through going for walks and you know going out and snowboarding it's just that decompression decompression from the modern world basically yeah and i think uh just kind of i think it's important especially in you know something as competitive and as something as all-consuming as, as the music industry 
we, we got to remember to keep taking care of ourselves and, and make sure you cultivate a life and a balance outside of your career, outside mm-hmm. of music. Uh, doing music for a living is, is honestly one of my, the things I love the most, but it is still a job and it's important to, to be able to separate, you know, pleasure from work and, and have yeah. find a good balance. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for that, Daniel. Um, at the end of the, at the end of the podcast, uh, I always ask this question. Um, so it's up to your imagination. No wrong answers. If you could live anywhere in the world, off grid for a year, where would it be, and what would you do? Money, job, no issue. You can come back to that sort of stuff. Anywhere in the world, off grid. Where would you go, and what would you do? That's a, that's a tough one for me. I, part of me wants to say I don't know if this would count. Uh, I feel like I'd like to go to Nashville. Um, you know, the, this, the community there around songwriting, around recording and playing, I guess, once again, off grid, but even, even just going somewhere, somewhere like that, where, you know, I, I, once again, I think for me, location. Okay. Let me, let me start this question. over. Um, I think my answer to the, the question, where, where would I go off grid for a year? I think um, the where maybe doesn't matter as much as, as the who, you know, I think I would love to be writing and playing and thank goodness I have, I play an acoustic instrument because we're <laughs> off the grid. Um, I think of, you know, there's really robust communities like uh, Nashville is a great one where, you know, a lot of those musicians or even, I mean, the reason I moved to Montreal is because there's so many great musicians that, you know, I work with here uh, good friends of mine um, also kind of playing in the session scene and stuff. So I think if, if I was to spend a year with those kind of people anywhere in the world, whether it's, you know, sitting at the top of Mount Royal or up in the Smoky Mountains, I think that's, that's what I want to do is spend the year making great art on paper with acoustic awesome. instruments. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming and joining us. And obviously you've got your own YouTube channel. Uh, just what yes. what is it and where can you find it yeah so you can just look me up online uh daniel corgan on youtube um my kind of uh internet stage name is giuseppe's baseria like a, like a pizzeria I'm, I'm italian um yeah so you can find me with either of those names uh either my youtube channel or any of the other stuff i do online i do uh i do tiktok as well um and you can find me uh, on my website, dancorganmusic.com. Uh, there I got all my stuff online about, like we said, technology, and talking about my recording, performing, that sort of stuff, if you want to get to know what I do. Awesome. Well, thanks for that, mate. No problem. Much appreciated. That's us, that's us done. That's good. Thanks so much for having me, Craig. And I'll, uh, I'll hear the podcast when it comes out. Cheers. Big thanks again for Daniel for joining us to, on today's episode. Next episode, we will have Kelly joining us. So until then, thanks for listening.